Hey, and welcome back to episode 53 of Flippin' and Mashin'. You have your host, Parnell, and... LaRyan! LaRyan <laughs> is back! I feel like we're, we're knights in the Medieval Madness uh, roundtable. We really are. We really are. <laughs> knights of the pinball world, keeping pinball prices at a normal level. Attempting to, anyways. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which which partially leads us to uh to one thing but episode 53 are let's let's wait my 30 minute idea uh supposedly got axed hard by your significant other and supposedly multiple people in um the realm that listen to us no one wrote yeah. in and said that it was a horrible idea but everybody gave feedback verbally to your side of the fan group. Yep, yep, for sure. And uh, I listened to a few 30-minute podcasts today on my drive, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Um, and the 30-minute didn't feel right. I don't know. I think the topics were kind of brushed over. Mm, I would, I guess part of me was thinking, like, in 30 minutes we would talk about let's just let, i'll just throw out my one example our first video game experience we each talk about our first video game experience and it is roughly 15 20 minutes a person like it's a pretty one topic we stay on point but i understand that it's kind of not loved by everybody I mean, here's the deal, right? At the end of the day, our, our lovely listeners that are listening right now, uh, you, you, you beautiful people out there, you, uh, they probably want to hear as much as they can from us because they only right now get one podcast a week. And oh, I've only been on for a few episodes, so I'm sure that they love our back and forth banter that we have. Unfortunately, they only get it once a week. So oh, I can understand I, them wanting an hour. <laughs> I thought we were going to record a second time last week because there was a couple days where I was like rearing to go, but then you were, I was busy. So I just, and then maybe I didn't even ask you, maybe just in my head, I was just like, Let's yeah, you go. didn't ask me. Let's record. I'd like the listeners to know right now that that's false. Uh, he did not message me and be like, Hey, are you busy? You want to do a podcast? Didn't happen. Everyone. So in my head, we, we could have podcasts, so maybe you should live there. <laughs> yeah, eventually, buddy. I promise I'll be <laughs> yeah. Do you play uh, any video games? Let's just kick off a, a little bit of unpinball at the beginning, just to make sure that we don't lose our video game-ishness. Uh, I do play video games. Um, I play VR a lot. So and... is that what you've played the la- like very recently? Yeah, I play it almost every night, every other night. Um, but then the 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 newest game that I started playing, and I bought this literally last night, everyone. Listeners, Uh-oh. listen to this. Uh, I'm behind the times a little bit, but I have been playing Death Standing. Death, Death Stranding? Oh, Death Stranding. Stranding. You got a PlayStation? Uh, I do. I have a PS4. And holy shit, listeners. It is so good. Chelsea wait, was sitting wait, wait, wait. on the couch with me, and he was... Okay. So, here's what I know about Death Stranding, and this is why I want to know why you think it's so good, because when it first came out, all the memes and people ragged on it because you just walk around delivering things. That's the gist. However, 
uh, I don't know if I'll pronounce it right, but Hideo Kojima, Metal Gear made the game, like produced it. Metal Gear Solid, he also made, or Metal Gear, that whole series. I'm a huge fan of Metal Gear. So I like Hideo Kojima, but Death Stranding seemed a little odd. But the trailers for the game, if you remember years ago, they kept teasing these trailers, and it was so freaking off the wall. Like, all of a sudden the camera flies down this dude's throat, there's a baby in his fucking spacesuit or some crap like that. It's super weird, but you deliver things. That is what I know about the game. So why is it so good? Uh, so Chelsea was sitting on the couch next to me playing a mobile game that she has been engrossed in. I'm not going to mention it because they don't deserve any extra advertising. It's a tower Andy defense French. game. No, it's a tower defense game. Uh, she's been engrossed in this thing since she picked it up like two days ago, right? It's I not, could barely. It's not the pixel junk monsters, is it? I don't. I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know. I, you called my bluff. I don't know what it is, but I wasn't going to mention it because I don't. Um, but she's been engrossed in it. I fired up this game, and I'm not kidding you. As soon as the game started, she immediately I could see in the corner of my eye like put the game down, paused it. And then for the next like two hours straight, she just watched me play because it was so engrossing. And I kept giving her a hard time saying like, don't you want to play your game? And she's like, "Nah, this is actually like really interesting. And I'm sort of confused, but like I'm, I'm on board with everything that's going on. Um, as far as the game, uh, you are a courier, but Hideo Kojima does what he does best and if there's one thing that he can do it's tell a story and i think that there are story driven games in the sense of maybe you deduct your own like story or backstory or anything like that and then there are stories that are almost movie like but not uh perfect example metal gear solid 4 that's a very polarizing game because a lot of people either love it or hate it. There's really not a like middle ground there because it had the what was it a an hour and twenty five minute cutscene or something like that, and it just I, aggravated a lot of people. <laughs> I loved it because it built story in what was going on, and I I got a much grander understanding of everything that was going on. However, there are a lot of people that don't like games like that, so I can totally see. I get that, but then they shouldn't play a Hideo Kojima game like. That's his thing. Yeah. For instance, back in college, um, I got Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater on PlayStation 2. A buddy of mine would come over, and he would play the game, and I would just watch. And I literally even told him, like, they could record this entire thing, and it could be a movie. I would just watch it. I could watch all of, like, full playthroughs of all the Metal Gear stuff, and it would be a great movie. Yeah, so I mean, is, does this game have like the traditional combat? Not yet. I haven't gotten to that point. I did see a suit that has gun holsters. So you are not just a delivery boy. Uh, and and they, the, the graphics, man, I mean, I'm a PC gamer. So, uh, you know, hashtag PC gamer for life. But I am genuinely like jaw on the floor and so was chelsea when we saw this game boot up on our like not ps4 pro but just standard playstation 4 i was honestly impressed i will tell and that you takes that, that takes a lot for a yeah, pc gamer to say that kojima pushes the limits of almost every console i remember when 
MGS1 came out on PlayStation 1, and it was the best at that time. When um, Metal Gear 2 came out on PlayStation 2, it I think it came out early to the release, but it was like the best rain and the graphics you've ever seen on PlayStation 2, well, I guess on at any console at that point. And so I can totally see that his graphics like made you go, holy crap. Yeah, so uh, that's that's what I've been doing as far as like console gamer life. And then, yeah, I, I have an Oculus Quest 2. Um, and uh, for, for those of you that didn't hear uh, our first test podcast, which, by the way, it never aired, uh, <laughs> I actually talked about how excited I was for the Quest 2 to come out. Um, so that, that should give you an idea of how long ago we were like, we should do a podcast. And then how long it actually took for us to sit down and be like, yeah, we're going to start over. <laughs> I would get teased by uh, Ryan and his fiance that I should edit that podcast. And then after a while it was, let's not air that podcast. <laughs> Y'all just a, another quick thing. We were discussing what guns and roses was going to be like when it came out, meaning, or no, we were, we were thinking it was guns and roses, but it hadn't even been officially announced. There was just a teaser. So th- this was months ago. So, <sighs> I'm happy to be here now. <laughs> Finally, I edited. I was too scared to edit is really what it came down to. I get it, man. It's not a big deal. Uh, what, what about you, though, Parnell? What what video games have you been playing recently? Okay. I'm not going to be able to remember all of them. Uh, not because I played that many, but because I have a horrible memory with children keeping me up all night. But a friend of mine, and I think he's been on the podcast uh, a while ago, John... He, for Christmas, gifted me Hades on Switch. And Hades is a roguelike game. I randomly started... Me and John, like, don't chat all the time. But I randomly hit up, like, people will pop in my head. Like, random, you know, random people pop in my head. And then I just text them because I was thinking about them. So I had been thinking about John. So I, I hit him up and just said, hey, how's it going? And he was like, "You have you played Hades?" And I said, "No, I I played The Binding of Isaac, and I was pretty mediocre on the roguelike because after a handful of times of restarting, it just got kind of sick of it. There's not much of a story to Binding of Isaac. There's a little bit of a story, but so like after like 30 plays, it just is really tedious, grindy. And he said, "No, this this is different." And I also listened to a podcast called NVC, which is put on by IGN. It's Nintendo Voice Chat. For most of 2020, there was a couple of those guys on there. They were so into Hades all of 2020. Like, they all, almost all of them voted Hades as the best game of 2020. And so I was like, man, I get, like, if you, there's no demo. So, like, I was like, if you gift it to me, I'll give it a shot. He gifted it to me. I played it. This is past week, actually. And uh, I did, I, did, I texted him and I was like, you asshole, I'm, I'm now uh, addicted. It is the best roguelike game I've played, given I have not played many. But it's different. Yes, I have put, I don't know, 35 games in, or I'm sorry, 35 tries. And you are playing the same X levels over and over. But they do it really good, where... So I had to turn God mode on or God like mode on because God, do I suck? But 
you keep dying and coming back to the beginning, there's like a story that keeps progressing. Your dad or whatever is like, I don't know if he's Hades, but he's like the owner of this underworld. And you're trying to escape to the surface to find your mom. Even though you're dying and coming back, and I'm talking, I would make it two, three rooms in. There's a story going on down there of like other gods and such helping you and they're progressing the story. And so you keep, you die, you come back, you talk to everybody again and they know that you're leaving and coming back. So it just keeps progressing. And some of the, of your deaths coming back are joked about. There's also upgrades for your, like you unlock weapons a little slowly. You unlock others. How would you call them? Like skills that make your weapons better or make you better for defense. It's almost like an RPG. Those things don't go away, but during each, I guess they call it an escape, but each trip, you can build up this like skill tree and add things and swap things. And every, I want to say, I want to say John said every eight or 10 levels is where you get, you beat a main boss and you go to the next layer of escaping and there's like eight layers or whatever and you can swap some stuff there it's insane the amount of customization in game and in your home whatever like that home home base it has kept my attention and then every time you play through it they do mix up the bad guys in the rooms and you can also most of the levels you can there's two doors and sometimes later on there's three doors that you can pick those doors on top of them have like an icon and those icons are associated with, with a, like a, a God that gives you a certain skill or a, a store or money or something. So then you go to that room and battle and get that as your prize. It is absolutely insane. The amount of customizing. Oh, and then the last thing was, yeah, you're fighting a lot of the same bosses every time. Um, I, I don't get very far at all. I think got to the third layer level or whatever the third section Elysium it is crazy hard but the first level boss swaps out like there's three or four of them and they all fight different they all talk crap at you differently they're sisters um I'm rambling on but if it if you do enjoy a little bit of rogue like gaming and you want to try something else cannot recommend this game enough you will I've put about 35 to 40 tries I'll keep playing. It's pretty good. Probably not that far into the game. John said now that he's fully upgraded his his person, his dude, uh, he can probably do a run and beat the game in 20-some minutes. I find that absolutely insane because I suck at the game and I get kind of my ass handed to me. But I've I have progressed. Like, I've, you know, the first couple... Given again, I have godlike mode enabled, which every time you die, it adds two percent to your defense, which which helps my sorry ass uh, get further into the game. But like I said, they mix it up enough where it doesn't feel repetitive. And when you die and come back, you talk and they talk crap, and and you can upgrade your house, and then you just feel like I just feel like I want to go back every time I get back. I'm like, crap, let's go see if I can upgrade. And then I make another run and then a bunch of runs. I'm trying to find the little purple gems to like upgrade my, my uh, mirror, which are kind of skills. And then you need these keys to unlock more stuff. So 
I keep doing runs to just get those things, just to upgrade my person. I keep getting further, slowly, slowly further. Other than that, I think the last video game I played about Need for Speed Remastered on Switch for Christmas for myself, that just got an update, but it was really just bug fixes and some graphic issues. I forgot that that was the 2010 or 11 version, and I was thinking it was the Hot Pursuit 2 game, which I love. This game is pretty good. It pokes my nostalgia of Need for Speed with, like, um, being a police officer and also running from the police. But the controls, I feel like for a remaster, they should have touched up because the Switch doesn't have analog controls. And so I feel like they could have helped manipulate a little bit of that to make it not suck so much. The controls feel a little old, uh, but the graphics are fine, and I'm enjoying it. There's a couple of missions that are way too hard. Well, I think that's it for video games, I think. Okay. You, you have a Switch, don't you? I do. Yeah, the last game I bought was... I got, I got to look it up, you listeners. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know it off the top of my head. Do, 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 do. Uh, I know. Okay, so I have Senran K- Kagura Peach Ball. Listen. Oh, God, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> that's ball. something else, let me tell you. So that's obviously uh, in the runnings for top games of 2020. That's and, in the uh, top, top adult game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then uh, obviously I still think the best game of 2020 is Doom Eternal, personally. That's the newer one? Yeah, but it does, because that came out this year, but it does sound, I have heard a lot of good things about that Hades game. All right, so I was listening to an NVC podcast just this morning, Cooking Breakfast, on Switch, that I have not heard of, but they were old. You might have not heard of them either. They're kind of, um, they almost seem like indie, or at least they're, small game studios that were that pushed their game to the switch recently one is called splasher and if you like splatoon this is like a 2d side-scrolling splatoon platformer it looks really good it's called splasher have you heard of it i have not actually but i don't follow nintendo switch games as much okay did you play splatoon at all no okay you spray ink. It's a really fun kind of team game, or whatever. yeah. But, I mean, I I know of it and like the okay relative like what your goals are and what you can kind of do. But yeah, I haven't played it. So if you're really into Splatoon and you want to try something similar, where if they, as NVC would say, if you took Splatoon and made it a 2D side scroller, this is pretty much what it would be. That's a sweet game to try. I, it looks like from the reviews. The other one is called Door Kickers. And I don't know which one is really on Switch. It sounds like it's Door Kickers Actions. It's a 2D side-scroller. But Door Kickers 1 and 2 were on PC. And they are a top-down SWAT-style game. And if you remember back in the old days, like when I was younger, uh, Ryan's a little younger than me, there was a PC game called SWAT. And you would strategically, you know, place your SWAT team around buildings and and scope up and break in and try to take down the terrorists and stuff like that. Like, uh, how, how do you say that? Like, like coordinated break-ins. And um, that is like a 
spiritual successor to that SWAT game or police force. That's another game. Um, well, or, or what was it? The original Tom Clancy's rainbow oh, six rainbow six. Yeah. You also did that there too. It the wasn't rainbow. always top down, but you could essentially plan out your whole. Oh, that's right. Down first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so hold your AI, um, like where to aim, how to clear the room, and then you were supposed to go along with them as they essentially did that. Then this is pretty much just that. It's like a new version of that. Yeah, you can pre-plan your t- your squad's move uh, movement plus where the- so they move, but then where their their face is looking because you don't see bad guys unless they're in your visual cone, kind of like you know Metal Gear where the bad guy has that visual cone. Yep. Um, that is your team and you. So like. If they're on the other side of the a door or a wall from you, you can't see them unless you like the door. You could put your camera underneath it and see them, but you still have that cone. It looks pretty cool. I was going to check it out. Uh, those are the two games I saw for Switch or I heard about for Switch, and uh, I was interested in. I feel like some more people would would get a kick out of them if they're old like I am. All right, I think we're done with the video game stuff. We can move on to. Da-da-da-da pinball ping 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 part of the night ladies and gentlemen (laughs) somehow i saw ryan's ass up in duluth or i should say superior today what am i doing here the general idea of our podcast today is how do you buy a used game but let's kick off what's new or what's going on in our game rooms before we get into that big topic yeah, well, you know what? Uh, why don't you go ahead and lead us off, Parno? Because oh, mine's wanna... so lame. No, no. I just figured, you know, we'd start with the best. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so I got Gladiators in the Garage uh, that's getting fixed for a client. Parts are on order from Pinball Resource. They should be here early this week. And then that should be done. Um, I started cleaning. When I came in, there was a coil not firing and a drop target was broken and actually this leads to my i took video of me fixing the coil and like how i was testing it and i kind of think i should put that on youtube in one of my little kind of how to like i don't know repair log um i've never seen this before one um you know how on your coil lugs those the really thin little wires get wrapped around to make the coil then they get brought back to the coil lugs to get soldered to that little wire, which is super fine, had disconnected from the coil lug like an eighth of an inch. And it was really hard to see because it was on the back side. Like if you lifted the play field up and looked at the coil, you couldn't see it, right? But with uh, troubleshooting and diagnostics of taking the ohm reading and coil, uh, voltage at each lug, I was like, I've never seen this before. And so I finally pulled the coil out, and then sure enough, because I had a, re- I tried soldering the wire on and off again. Well, I'd have to look at my videos, but when I pulled the coil out, then I saw that stupid little wire disconnected. I somehow had another one in my uh, spare parts bin, so I threw that in, and it works. And so uh, that was a first for me to, to find a little wire broken. I did jump it with a solder chunk, and I got the the right the reading across, but I knew that if <laughs> that's not a good fix, right? Cause 
any firing of the coil would probably break that solder joint because it's just a chunk of solder connecting the two. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be ideal. No. <laughs> then the drop target was broke, so PBR only had a three-pack, like, replacing all the drops. There's only three drops in the game, so I just ordered that. It's a pretty cheap. So I got three new drops, and I was rebuilding the drop targets and found that the reset spring was broke. So I was like, uh, so it was one of those things where, like, you fix one thing, and all of a sudden, more things you keep finding, so... I got the parts on order today. Speaking of pinball, I actually did something. ACDC has a, tons of mods, tons of lit mods. There's the topper and the speaker LED RGBs. And then, then the behind the back glass um, is like the coin taker custom light up shenanigans and then there's under cabinet leds and there's flipper button leds and there's mod leds and it's like holy guacamole but they were all tapped off of y splitters <laughs> so there was like 18 splitters in the cab and i was like no way am i dealing with this so i had purchased a um like a multi-tap mod board or whatever from pinball life not to give them credit, really, but I got the Anarchy, which I'm assuming is the in-house, probably designed by Scott Denisi, but it just takes your one Molex connector from the right side of the cabinet, plugs into that board, and then just gives you like eight, six or eight plugs of Molex plugs. They look like, they're not the hard drive or CD-ROM plugs, but they look similar. It's 5-volt, 12-volt, and ground. Gives you eight of those for your mods. There's no fuses on it or anything. It just splits the power. And um, everything's LED, so I'm not ultra-worried, and it hasn't blown a fuse before. So, again, not really worried. But I did that. It cleaned up a lot of the wiring and all the Y-splitter crap. And last week, I had added the splints on all the stand-up targets so that they would stop bending over to one side or the other. There's these, I forgot if Mesel Mods or Marco or someone made them. They're these 3D-printed splints for stand-ups that keeps them straight games like my lord of the rings tron metallica and acdc after a ton of games and you might have noticed it your stand-up targets will start kind of leaning to one side and on acdc it was absolutely horrible in the lower play field where there's three stand-ups like one is the mouth and one of the two are the eyes it almost looks like an iron man kind of figure in the in the lower playfield, yep. and the two I ones like went to the sides, and they were they wouldn't register because the target itself was hung up on the rubber. It made it very difficult to get anywhere in your lower playfield shooting. So I put the splints on it. Uh, let's see, Tron. I found a one of my mods wasn't lighting up. Oh, the caster. I have a the caster mod from hooked on mods where his cane it's like a little figure and his cane had lit up with el wire and i found a the solder joints had broke on a on a wire and then the in transformer stopped outputting the voltage so i'll order a new one of those but then i also on the original tron arcade cabinet mods the guy used like speaker wire and a molex connector that went up to the head and i will reverse that to a standard Molex and plug it into my mod board that is installed so that all the mods are plugged to the front of the cabinet on my mod board. And then on my skill roll 
I finally started poking at that again. The stepper relay to go to the next, there's like eight lines or eight little track things that go back and forth all the way down. That stepper unit, a bunch of wires fell off, and so I was soldering wires back on, which skill rolls from like 64 or something like that. Wire that has been sitting in the air from that period of time does not like solder stuck to it. And I fucking lost my flux pen somewhere in my house. <laughs> I bet you it's upstairs, but I was searching all day for the stupid flux pen. But I'm assuming on wire that frickin' old, you had to clean it or flux it because uh, the flux in the solder was not working. But I <clears throat> got a bunch of wires stuck back together. There's one, one little, um, it must... I don't know what you would call it, like loops from the score switch or coil over to the other side of the motor unit or step unit. And uh, I don't know where it goes specifically. I just found the schematics from pin repair and I'll have to look to see where that goes so I can uh, put that back on and then try my game again because every time I turn my game on on play test, it just kind of stays at the first, the first uh, flick thing. And those will keep scoring over and over. Like, it doesn't step down to the next one. So I'm assuming that's obviously part of the problem. Otherwise, I'm just trying to save up to buy uh, all those crazy-ass CGC mods for Medieval Madness. What are you doing, Ryan? What What is new in your your basement game room? Yeah, uh, so I actually have a pretty big thing down in my basement that's new. Uh, Was it, how big is it? Is it huge? It's, uh, <laughs> it's about the size of a coffin, roughly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give or take. You get scared stiff? Uh, no, no. I, I, I got something arguably better. Um, you know, in in one way, one very specific way, and then in every other way worse. Uh, I got a Playboy today. What do you mean you got a Playboy? Like you bought a so magazine? Got, no, I. <laughs> no, I. Uh, through your help, uh, I was able to get a Stern Playboy. It's a DMD. One because uh, Playboy is one of the few games that has made like been made like what four times I think three times four times three so, yeah the Bally the Data East and the Stern yep so uh, this is the the most recent one uh, that I picked up but I uh, had been kind of talking with Parnell and he had contacted me and let me know hey uh, there's this guy that I know that is uh, wanting to get rid of a routed Playboy. Like, are you interested? And uh, apparently your significant other uh, didn't want Playboy in the base in your basement for pretty obvious reasons, because uh, you're, you're a family man. See, I don't have any kids. So uh, <laughs> pre-kids, it would probably not have been a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I jumped on it and drove up to... The Luth today at one o'clock this afternoon, and I got home and had the trailer returned and everything because I don't own a trailer. About an hour ago, hour and twenty minutes ago, so I've had a long day. But uh, I have a pin in my basement that I did not have earlier this morning. Yeah, and it was at the bar I route with. It's not hasn't been there that long. It came off from another route. Um, I got the keys for it, and it worked, so I never touched it. And then that whole COVID stuff really locked down. And so it's, it made a little bit of money, but just been sitting there and it needs a shop job really bad. 
And so it's in Ryan's hands. He loves doing that. So I'm assuming it'll be, if he got his parts ordered tonight, they should potentially be here this week and you'll have it going by this weekend. Oh, I can almost guarantee it. (laughs) (laughs) Almost guarantee it. And not to get off your, off your story, but playboy, if you haven't played it, even if you took out the playboy theme and made it a different theme, it is a very fun shooting game. The shots are nice and open. I mean, it was made for people to play at bars and just pump money in. Um, that game, actually, I don't know if my name is on it, but I was at in the wizard mode, and I was one or two shots away from completing it. Um, and that's with a bad right lower flipper. So it's a fun, I'm not good at pinball, but it's a fun game. It's just not super rulesy. So you're just there to just you're just enjoying the game and you can't think much more than that, right? It's like it's like the monsters or scared stiff, stuff like that. So yeah. I'll be excited to come back once it's actually Ryaned through and play play a working version of it. Yeah, listeners, this is a big deal. Uh I you know, Parnell's just glossing over it. Uh he's working on his games and everyone this has been something that I've been like up his ass about for the last <gasps> year almost. He I cleaned didn't... his game the other day, which is mind blowing. <laughs> I because I w- had ACDC open, I cleaned and waxed the playfield, and then Tron. I'm staring at the game, both of them, and I had the plate the glass off, and I looked at them, and I thought to myself, "What would Ryan and Chris do?" if they had the glass off. And I said to myself, they would clean the play field as much as they could reach with the cloth and then wax it because you're already there. Holy guacamole, do those games play way too fast now. (laughs) No, they play the way that they're supposed to. You had ball trails so thick, you could have, like, peeled it off with, like, a plastic razor blade and made, like... A little rubber wheel for somebody. It was yeah, disgusting. It's like gum. I could just have like a little piece of gum on the play field. You did everywhere. But do you have a plan for Playboy? Yeah, I do. So uh, that was one of the things you mentioned. Um, I guess we can go ahead and jump into it in a second. But uh, the plan for Playboy is to just kind of have it and you know have some boobies in the basement because I have the uh, full nude. Uh, little inserts in everywhere because you can swap them out. Uh, there's a PG-13. There's like an <laughs> R, and then there's an X-rated. So you have three choices of what kind of... Um, how, how tasteful or untasteful you want your game to be. <laughs> Did you look to see, are they actually... Because I thought there was three, but I didn't know. Yeah, there know. is. Yep. So is so it like the... fully covered? Yeah, so it's... So it's 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 fully covered, uh-huh. uh, partial nudity, like, and I, I don't know how they they define it, right? So there's there's no nudity, partial nudity, full nudity, and partial nudity still has boobs. So like, I don't really know like what I, I don't know. I haven't played uh, everyone. I played this game for two minutes uh, when I went to go pick it up today. It was a good enough deal that. As long as it powered on and did not poop all over itself, I was like, I'm taking it. So, um, 
Yeah, I need to do a full LED job. Because you haven't played it at your house yet? No. No. I'm wondering if there was a couple pictures that had the the lower nether regions shown. It would and, not surprise me. And that was <laughs> on the fully X-rated and then the rated R ones. Those parts were covered, but the boobs were there. Yeah, it's very possible. I didn't see anyone that's spread eagles, so I'll go ahead and squash those dreams right now. But, all right, um, so when I come down, yeah. I'll bring my post-it notes, and I'll put those okay. over all those boobies so we don't have to see them. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't care because that's what you need to do. Like, <laughs> and the, the good news is, is if I did have people over that had children, uh, which I don't very often ever, uh, I do have a pin mat that I could lay down over the top of the playfield. But uh, to to Playboy's credit, uh, with the games off, uh, all of the like nudie stuff is hidden for the most part. Like it's you pretty much can't see any of it unless you take like a flashlight and shine it on very specific points in the game. You all the nudies or all the like, I guess the spots where it would be nude. Yeah, those are. They're like unlockables. You you hit something a certain amount of times or you hit a shot and then that opens so that you see it. So, yeah, you're not just given the nudies for free. You, you got to work for those boobs. You, you do. You do. Yeah. Very much like real life. <laughs> God. Yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't get handed these my whole life. I had to work for it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. Do I think it's a forever pin? No, but I haven't really played it. Um, I Parnell knows me well enough that I have some shallower games. I'm I'm opening up to them more than I used to be. However, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'm still like I had a monster bash in my basement, which to most people that might be listening that know a lot about pinball, I mean that's like top three, top four all time greats. Uh, I had it in my basement for a week. I couldn't stand it. I would get so far into the game every time, and I'm, I was just like, this isn't, like, it didn't feel challenging enough. And, like, doing the wizard mode more than once, or the wizard modes more than once, it just wasn't exciting. Like, ooh, I got a high score. Like, high scores are fun, but I want, like, the game to do different things, not the same thing every time. Uh, and Is that just so, because you're so good like I don't think I'm great. Are you getting but. deep into the game enough that because uh, that's a hard one too. I don't feel like I'm good, and I don't get too deep in my games very often. Maybe if it was in your right, I haven't played one in my house. I've just played the iPad version, and that tapping your screen just isn't the same. But if you had a game in your house, you do play. Let's just say you play an hour every day. You could get within a week. You could get good enough where you're getting deeper really deep or was it monster madness was the the main shindig uh, I think it's monsters of rock monsters of rock yep. like were you getting there pretty pretty frequently yeah i could i could probably get there at least once or twice every time i'd sit down and play it and you know it's fun kind of but you know it was really like lyman sheets has a very special style of rules that he has and sometimes it works really well and sometimes the code isn't deep enough and it just feels like you're chopping wood and there's no fun to it. 
And for me, Monster Bash felt like that. You also made the comment of that the audio was annoying. Yeah, I personally, I don't like a lot of the Looney Tunes crazy noises that go on. And the call-outs sometimes weren't actually call-outs. They were just like weird noises. Um, the voice call-outs that were in Monster Bash were cool, but uh, there were a handful of ones that you definitely heard every time. Like when you're trying to get creature, you just hear. Bloop, 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 bloop. Mm. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I heard that to the point where I was like, all right, well I'm done listening to this. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are de- detractors and I haven't played Stern playboy enough to really make a decision, but I think it's going to be some of the similar for sure. Uh, you know, its staying power is that it's a very adult-themed game in the basement, which is kind of its own thing, and I can respect that. But um, long-term plans, it's probably not going to be here very long. And I told you, like, you do need a fun game. You need a game that isn't hard. And you don't have one. Now, I mean, now you do. Well, I have a few. Thank you very much. <laughs> All your games are hard as shit. <laughs> Attack from Mars is not super hard. I would disagree. I would say for newer players, that game is sort of hard. They're not going to get all that deep. Like, they're not going to blow up five alien saucers. Truth be told, I have not either. That That's a really tall, <laughs> that's a really tall order. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've blown up five castles on my medieval. I mean, I think that's hard. There's, yeah. There's random well, medieval, good games, but... Medieval's kind of different because it's not... The shots are both more dangerous and less dangerous all at the same time for medieval. Like it's it's kind of weird, um, but Attack from Mars definitely is very punishing just because those stand ups you shoot them and they just want to throw the ball down the center. Like there's no adjusting that out of the game. Like it is meant to try to drain you, um, so you have to get a lot of like uh, shots that either you don't flip with full power or you like you know, just barely nick the corner of it, you know, kind of shots, because you you don't want to just hit those things head on, because the game will do one very specific trick when you do that, and that's chuck it down the drain. (laughs) I feel like every pinball machine does that. We we will see as far as the Playboy. Uh, You know, there's a lot to remain unseen, because as I said, I, I probably won't flip it, until uh, I probably won't play it until I get LEDs and everything else. Because where it is in my basement now, uh, there's really piss-poor lighting for that area. So mm-hmm. this game, I have to be able to see. And the incandescents that are in it, guys, I could barely see the ball when we were at the bar. Like, it, it was... It's I kind of played it, but it's not good. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's... I don't know if how much we need to explain, but... It, it's kind of sad. The bar owner can't open a bar in Minnesota, so he was going to sell a few games to kind of uh, fund fund the times at the moment. And um, Playboy was one of them. It's the kind of the the easy one to get rid of, and we'll see how it goes. There might be some more. I don't know. Maybe Ryan will buy them all. Yeah, probably not. But segueing. Into our actual topic of the night, um, we're little, we're running a little behind, but that's okay. Um, topic of the night, everyone. Topic of the night. How do you buy a used game? 
There are so many things about this, Ryan. There are. And I think this is going to go over your one hour because I don't uh, think there's any way to talk about this. You're going to make me fucking edit this damn podcast. <laughs> I am. You're going to be doing it all day tomorrow. And and I'm totally all right with that. I'm willing to sacrifice your, your day to this because oh, our viewers sorry. and our listeners need to know these things. Parnell. This is asked by like, I mean, I mean, I remember on my thread still on pin side, obviously my first game and like what to look for, what game should I get all that stuff. Um, so this is, this is a very opinionated or per person specific topic, but we're going to give some really general stuff. Maybe our views on how we did it or how we go about buying now that we know things. Yeah. I thought I had a breakdown of this. And when, when, when I go buy a used game, the first thing you think about maybe is uh, a price range. So do you have a price range that you try to, to wiggle in? Yeah, whatever my available like fun money is at the time, right? <laughs> right? right? I mean, that's kind of everyone's answer. Um, I, I think it depends. I can tell you that I pretty much won't buy a pin for less than $2,000 because the only thing that's available <laughs> at that lower portion is the shit that Parnell buys, like System 1 and System 80 games from Gottlieb, and yep. I don't want them. <laughs> uh, this is a life lesson. I have a standard. <laughs> yeah, I haven't learned this lesson yet. I'll still do it. This is one of my problems is for the longest time, I didn't care what it was. If it was cheap enough... I would buy it. And that means it could have been in a flood. It could have been in a tornado. If it's a game and it's cheap, I bought it. There was only one game I didn't fix, and that was Joker Poker, because I didn't have time to get to it. Well, joke was on the both of us. It needed more work than we thought. <laughs> yeah. It, I had a plan to get around all the small transformer issue, but it, yeah, it just, there was a lot of work that that needed. Because of my situation, I have had to dial it back and I can't just go buy a bunch of stuff. Cause if I could have, I would have owned a stellar wars, <clears throat> not saying it's a bad game. It's this weird sh short, but wide body kind of pinball game. And I, I don't have room for any more of that stuff. I probably would have fixed it, cleaned it, sold it. It really depends on what your price range is. Uh, Ryan and I both have game room money. So we have invested and, uh, you know, purchased, flipped, and have invested a lump sum of money that's sitting in our game room. And if we sell a game, that money can stay in that kind of uh, bank account or that, that room account. But we're not taking six grand from savings or checking to go buy a new game. Or from credit card. My God, <laughs> do not buy a game with a credit card. Four or five years ago, they started doing that. When a firm started getting big, they started doing like buy a game on credit, or uh, which operators can still buy games on credit, but you know they have cash rolling in on their bars and stuff. You can do what is that called layaway? You can do layaway stuff with some companies, but it's pretty three or six month. It's pretty quick. But these are toys, and so I think the recommendation is do not put your games on credit. Yeah, you're gonna have a bad time if you do credit because. If you're buying a game with credit, it's either going to be like 
painfully overpriced because you're going to be buying from one of the big names who I'm not going to throw their name out, but there's someone on the internet that overcharges by like four grand on any used game uh, through them. And they will happily, uh, you know, do a payment plan on it or a, a loan or something. Don't, don't do it. You're, you're immediately signing up for anywhere from, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars in the hole. I just, it, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's better than buying a new car, I guess, but uh, that's that point. The other thing, and I bet, Parnell will absolutely agree with this point um, at the beginning. Figure out how much money you have. You you really have to pick an amount and stick to it. You know, you can stretch if you find something amazing. And we'll, we'll touch on that next as far as like what amazing is or like kind of how to handle that. But you need to like very clearly be like, okay, well, you know, I have like a fun money account where I have nothing but fun money in there. So I know exact I know damn well how much money I have. And of course, I could take money from other places if I need to, but you know, you need to have a pretty firm idea of how much you can spend so then you can start looking at what's even out there or what you can possibly get. Yeah, and that price range is also going to kind of dictate what kind of game you can buy. Um kind of back in the day EMs were Two three hundred bucks. Eighties games were, you know, five hundred to a thousand. Um, prices have gone up a little bit. I remember when I bought my first game, I wanted. I was so hard into DMDs, like it had to have DMD. Um, all I remember is Medieval Madness, and at the time, my spending limit was a grand. And the only games that I found, the other hard part too, is time. Once I decided I was going to buy a game, I wanted to buy it tomorrow or the next day, right? When you start actually looking for a game, I feel like to find the game that you might want in your price range, it could take three months. It's like buying a house, right? Three to six months, you'll find something. The patience is where you lack. I had found, oh, they also tell you, oh, get some friends. Make some friends because that's where you're going to find all your deals. I couldn't find any friends because I lived in Duluth. All the main pinball stuff was in the Twin Cities. It was a little difficult. There was no one up in Duluth back when I... Well, there were people here, but no one spoke to me. And I didn't know anybody. Well, that's not I, shocking. That's, <laughs> <true> too, right? <laughs> that's what Chris would say, too. Uh, too. I'm too crazy. Too weird. I ended up buying my pinball machine, and it was Waterworld for 1000 or Mousing Around for eleven or 1200 Both technically good games but one's an 80s system 11 and one's a you know 95 dmd gottlieb system 3 i had ended up buying the water world and i have no regrets and it was a really good learning experience i also miss it because it's a poor man's medieval madness but that you know at, at that point in time there was no theme it didn't care what game i got i could have gotten freaking Popeye saves the world or whatever that game's called. It didn't matter, right? I was just getting a pinball machine, which I think a lot of people do on their first game or two, which I think you were heading into the next like theme thing. Yeah, so uh my first game, I bought a uh Blast Off, uh, 1967, uh, I believe it's Williams Blast Off. And uh bought it for 100 bucks at the 
pinball warehouse in Minnesota, and it didn't have a back glass. And I played the shit out of that game. <laughs> uh, I bought it. They it, they said like they didn't know if it worked. It was you know probably going to have issues, and it did. Uh, but you know, I essentially just like worked through them one at a time. Um, and was that an EM? Yes, it was an electromechanical. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so, a lot, lot of learning. Uh, yeah, a lot of learning, but in some ways it was easier because like you know the the logic of it is I think kind of easier because mm-hmm. you don't have to get a logic probe out to troubleshoot an EM. Like the relay is either clicking on or it isn't, and if it is then you got a problem with, like, a connector or a switch or mm-hmm. a short or something. So, like, it's all really easy in that sense. Uh, whereas, you know, you get underneath the, uh, you know, Williams DMD-era game <laughs> or uh, a Stern, and if something isn't working right and you have to start figuring out, like, logic-related issues, I mean, that's a whole fucking rabbit hole in and of itself. Um, but, yeah, theme can be important, Uh my first, or my second game, my first real pinball machine uh, that was not an EM, I bought Corvette, and I did it because I was a car, I'm a car guy, too, at heart. And so I was like, hey, you know, a car guy, it's got cool little Hot Wheels that race down the racetrack, uh, it's got the V8 engine that rumbles on the playfield. like, how cool is that? Um, but, yeah, so, it, it theme can matter, but at the same time, if you're just getting into it, or you're looking for another game, I mean... I'll be honest with you, I wasn't looking for a Bally Playboy. Like, that wasn't my game I wanted uh, when I woke up, you know, a few days ago before Parnell told me about it. But uh, that kind of leads me into my next point, which is, uh, like, value versus what it's priced at. Sometimes you're going to have a theme, and maybe that does come after you've collected for a little bit, like a couple games in. And then sometimes you're just wanting to buy just because it's either the right price or you want something or you have money laying around and a deal comes up and you know that you can take that game home, clean it and you could sell it. Like, I think you've done that a bunch. I've done it a couple times. Sometimes you're just getting the game just because it's something to do. Sometimes like not to go too off topic, but for me, Lord of the Rings, that was a game I had to have. So I only searched for a period of time for that game in a certain price range. And that was, that was dedication, right? Because there was nothing local, really local. And then I found a bunch of games that were, I don't know, seven to 10 hours away. And I had to then decide via pictures, good or bad, which was going to be the best deal, right? Why don't you go on to your, your topic? Yeah. So, um, okay. So let's say you're, you're perusing Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace uh, and you find a deal that is like close to fall out of your chair. Good, good deal. Oh, my um, gosh. What would there be like a Playboy for a hundred bucks? No, not. I mean, okay. There's those deals, sure, but I can almost guarantee you you aren't going to get it because some asshole is going to go try to buy it for that price. They're not going to be first in line, and then they're going to be like, "Oh well, you know, fuck this other guy that got ahead of me." So this game's actually worth this. Uh, you know, yeah. you need to you need to be informed. Like, there's a lot of people who will. Uh, if they don't get first crack at it, they'll purposely like torpedo your abilities to have that happen. That happened to me two weeks ago. I almost got turned into uh, the fucker down at the bottom of a well <laughs> with Buffalo Bill up at the top telling me to put the lotion on my skin. Um, 
what? because there was a deal like that. And I won't get into too off topic of it, but those deals can happen. And those deals, there's guys in your area, unless you're, I don't know, in Canada or something, and, and you're in an area where there literally are no other pinball players around you. There are guys that are scanning that stuff all day. That's all they do. And so the likelihood of you getting like a, you know, a really good game, like a couple thousand dollar game for like 400 bucks, 300 bucks, that's really low. Um, yeah. Not to say it's not possible, but man, there are guys out there that their whole life is on getting games cheap and flipping them so they can pay their bills. You best believe, believe those guys are driven individuals to be scanning Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and Pinside and everywhere else. And the moment a deal pops up, they're on it. Because me and Parnell both know uh, at least one person that that's all he does for income is he does that. Um, uh, price is important, though, and I bring this up because uh, let's say you're going to look at a game that's maybe $1,000 off of what Pinside says they regularly go for, or better, what the market seems to be showing that they sell for. Because Pinside is not absolute. Uh, it gives you an idea, but Pinside does seem to be generally low. Now, some games uh, aren't, and some games are really low. So it's, it's all very relative, and some of them are too high, right? So Pinside isn't a, a one-stop shop. I, I know for a fact my game's worth this, because you've got 30 years or 20 years or 15 years of game sales uh, going from really low to really high, and you've got project games and restored games. So that's another thing to kind of keep in mind. But overall, uh, you know, when you find pretty good deals, um, I mean, you can kind of be that asshole, I guess, that shows up and further nickels and dimes the person. But normally, if you're sitting on a good deal where it's like $500 or more off what you think it's worth, uh, don't go in there and nickel and dime the guy. Go in there, look at it, uh, you know, and as long as the game meets the expectations you kind of have, it's like, all right, well, we're good. Like, I'm going to go ahead and start tearing it down. Like, here's the cash, uh, you know, and, and you move on. You just quickly get in and out, right? You, you don't want to hang around there too long and uh, possibly shoot yourself in the foot or say something to maybe tick them off that maybe it is low. But you don't want to be rushing either. So it's like an art, uh, you know. So that's that's an important step, uh, but definitely try to research it. The best way to do that is to check uh, like Facebook pinball sales groups, um, and then uh, Pinside. Check like archived listings, see what they're listed for currently. That that gives you an idea. But it's important that you click on those links and actually take the time to read what that machine is. Because just because you have an Indiana Jones and it has LEDs does not mean it's worth $9,500. Um, <laughs> oh even though people will tell you that all day, right? So it's all, everything's relative. Um, you know, and that's how I sold a Revenge from Mars, the Star Wars Episode One conversion kit for $5,500 plus shipping. Um, it's because mine had a clear-coded playfield from Neo uh, in my Revenge from Mars. So like... Sometimes it's really hard to price pins, but generally speaking, I wouldn't tell someone to just go out and the first pin they buy, don't buy a clear-coated play field, you know, restored HEP or something like that. Like, don't buy that as your first game. Just go find a game that's been lightly routed or, you know, maybe home use only, but 
Also, don't get too caught up in home use only because uh, home use only doesn't necessarily mean that you're not getting a game that hasn't been played a bunch because I play the shit out of my games and they're quote-unquote home use only at least when I own them, uh, including my new in-box games. Yeah, I would say, um, and this can specifically be applied to newer Stearns, newer Stearns quality, like reliability quality is lower and the older games... For instance, Sopranos, Playboy, Black Knight, Batman, Black Knight, Mitron, uh, Lord of the Rings. Those playfields and such from that era hold up way better than the new stuff. If you saw a new Stern routed with 5,000 plays and an old Stern routed with five to 10,000 plays, the old one's going to look a heck of a lot better in my opinion. You can't – yeah, home use sounds good. And people love using that term now. And I would definitely use that term on my home use only games just to say like, uh, hey, you know, the coin bag, coin bag, the um, what is that thing called? Goodie bag. The goodie bag is still stapled. It's been in my home use, you know, since new. But I don't use that as like a main point in my sale because it still comes down to, you know, did I jack the cabinet up? Have I put a screw through the cabinet? Did I break something like there's still other issues that can definitely pop up on home use only games. And for instance, didn't your teen a have some sort of weird issue that the guy said? I mean, it's home use, but it had like some scratch in it or something. Uh, yeah, there's a super small Nick on the, I think the front of the cab. Um, and it's like my ghostbusters. When I brought it to my office, my buddy helped me. We were pulling it out of my Jeep. It caught on the back seat and it fucking ripped the, a panel of the plywood up on the front and tore, you know, obviously the decal and stuff. And I've glued it back. And if you came to my game room, you wouldn't even notice it because it's in the bottom of the cab at the front. But if you sat down, if you kneel down and looked, you're going to see it. And if I ever sell it, I'm going to point it out, but it's still home use. Well, yeah. And uh, another point to bring up, uh, you know, home use versus not. So Parnell's been over to my house once. Uh, and he got to take a look at one of the Twice. games in my basement. Twice. My goodness. Uh, well, one time in my basement, like in the arcade. You've only been over once in the arcade. The other time was out in the driveway. But anyways. Yeah, that's true. Um, you got to see my Attack for Mars LE. Yes. And let me ask you, buddy. Does that thing look like it could almost be passed off as homies only? Um, I mean, I think the wear at the lockdown bar gave some of that away, but like, if you didn't see that, then that's, that's getting covered up for the 30 people that listen to this actively. Uh, Yeah. But like getting repaired. So remove the, remove the, the little lockdown bar spot. Could you tell that that was a homies only game? Would you think that it was homies only? No, I, yeah, uh, no, I would have thought this is really nice, nice, good shape. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess the point I'm trying to make is my attack from Mars LE has 5,000 plays on it. And if you look at the shooter lane or you look at the scoop shot or any of the other areas where you expect to see where, uh, there, there really isn't any at all to speak of. So, you know, routed games don't necessarily mean that they weren't taken care of and loved. Uh, and home use only doesn't guarantee that there's not going to be any small issues or defects either. Um, so that's just something to, 
take into consideration. Did we ever come to a conclusion on theme? Themes, your first game probably doesn't matter. But once you start finding it, you do, at some point, you need to focus on, if you pick a theme or you pick a price point, you need to stay in it, right? Because you can always waver. Well, I could go a couple hundred more. And then all of a sudden you're, you're going up and up and up. And then, so you kind of need to kind of come up with your, your plan and stick with it. And patience, patience, patience. You'll find something. When you do create a friend group, games do start flowing. I will say that I've had a handful of games trickle through me and I've sold. I try to sell all my games to people I know because it's so much easier and I can give them a deal because I'm not having to dick with tire kickers. I will sell my games cheaper to people I know more toward what I'm into it as instead of making money. If I go to sell a game on Facebook or Craigslist, I will price it as such. And I do tell my friends that like this is being priced at this for Craigslist. It'll be priced at this for you. And I have not had a complaint from a friend who picked up a game. I have had Ryan yell at me that I didn't sell that game to him at that price, (laughs) but it was kind of before uh, I knew him. Yep. Well, there's there's another game that you should sell to me at what you're into it at, but you refuse to. So. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, see, listen to him. He's nope, all about was, passing on a deal. <laughs> he's all about passing a deal on until I call him out on it. Then he's like, because I know information that you know, listeners. Unfortunately, you don't know and won't know. Uh, I know that there's a game in his basement that Parnell got for. A song, and he will not sell it to me for a song. <laughs> At that point in time, that that was a pretty good price for that game. Yeah, he's referring but, uh, to Tron. That game is yeah. stupid overpriced now, and I it is. I totally admit that that's stupid. Okay, so we've picked a we've picked a, a price. We kind of have a theme, maybe. Now we're looking, and now the quality or whatever the condition, I should say. Yeah, I mean condition's important, and you know. If you can, either have a hard budget, right? So some people that are listening uh, might not be able to have a stretch limit, but you need to come up with hard points either way. You you can't just be like, well, I've got $3,000 in my savings, so well, maybe I could buy a $5,000 game. Like, no, no. <laughs> uh, you know, unless your your goal is a $5,000 game, you need to say, all right, well, I have three, maybe I could throw in another 500 or whatever's comfortable to you. But yeah, you need to stick to those, uh, either that singular point or your singular point plus a stretch goal. And you need to stick to it. You got to hold yourself to it or you'll end up spending more money than, than God has. Um, so uh, quality though, that's a big one. Quality is going to be all over the board. You're going to see games that like Parnell buys that look like they've been flooded and left <laughs> underwater and have System 80 or System you know, 1 stamped on them or Gottlieb, God forbid. Uh, that's probably the worst stamp. Uh, you know, I'm joking a little bit, but of course, like it is important to realize uh, how often the game pops up. Look at Pinside. See how often that game is popping up for sale. Has it popped up a lot near you? Um, because, it, it, you know, there are some games that will pop up a lot, and there are some games that won't. And then you also have games 
uh, that are unicorns. Uh, just like that Gone in 60 Seconds movie with uh, Nicolas Cage. My unicorn is Medieval Madness. I don't think I'll ever find one. Whenever <laughs> I'm looking for one, and I will wait, listeners, for like a month I have up to, waited like a month at a time looking and searching. Nothing. Um, so there are games, though, that might not pop up often if you're looking at like, let's say, a, a TNA because they only made 500. There might not be a lot in your area, so you might not get as much of a a pick of the litter versus uh, an Adams family where they made twenty thousand of them. Um, you know, so you just statistically have better chances of uh, one game showing up for sale versus another. Uh, but an important thing about quality is mods do not necessarily add money to the game. LEDs do add some value to the game. There are things that you can do to the game that do add money. But at the same time, like if it has art blades, I'm not going to pay you, you know, two hundred dollars more or whatever because it has art blades versus another one that's on the market that's two hundred dollars less. Like they need to come down, or you'll just go buy the one that doesn't have art blades, whether you want them or not. Um, yeah, yeah. To, on that point, there are a couple mods I think that we are both referring to that legit will increase the value. Because it it's either enhances the experience or they can be resold for almost what they're paid for. And one of those is color DMDs on older games. The other one is kind of a shaker motor because that is a pretty good enhancement and they can also be resold for not too much lower. There's a couple other ones that are very game specific. Um, what would some of those be? There's like very rare mods or toppers that are super rare. They're not made anymore. For instance, I missed out on buying Tron Pro um, ramp kit for that EL wire that lights up the ramps. Eli made one for like four something, $400 something. This guy in Time Banded in Australia made a set, and I freaking kept forgetting to buy them. I would pay tons of money right now to have them, because that sets off that game. But art blades or mirror blades, what else? There's like some... Lit up flipper buttons, I really could uh, give two shits about. I, I mean, put them on cool. all my games because I like them. But yeah, they're cool, but I don't I'm charge not more pay, money because of that. Yeah, I'm not going to pay an extra $100 or something because they're in. Now, the other thing, the, the big mods that I, I hate when I like go to see people... All right, guys, this is a controversial opinion. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, powder coating doesn't increase the value no. of your game. I no. really don't give a shit if you color matched it to some part of the exterior. Of the ca- Like, 90% of the time, it looks like ass, except for a very small percentage of people. It's like putting colored LEDs in your GI. Don't do it. It's not worth it. If you're um, selling that, you have to sell it to someone that really wants it, because otherwise someone like Ryan who doesn't care or myself or who anybody buying it doesn't care it, that value that they're trying to get out of it. It doesn't matter that person. Yeah. And like sticking action figures or like non-interactive mods in a game. So like in Iron Maiden, there's like a $50 mummy mod where it's just like an open casket with a mummy inside of it. Doesn't do anything. Doesn't light up. I really don't care if that's there or not. Like it's cool that it's there. But I'm not going to pay you money because you, like, super glued some, like, action figures or something. Or, like, fake toppers. Ugh. 
My God. This is like the um, argument from the car group two, right? Where like some person mods up a Honda Civic to, with all these very popular mods. If you remember when Fast and Furious came out, then they try to sell it at this really high price because they're just like listing the retail that they paid for all these parts. And it's like, nope, they're mods. That is not, it's like adding up mod horsepower. That's not how it works. You don't just keep adding up that number. Now you can, you can list your game. It most likely won't sell at that price, but these are also opinions. And so everybody can do as they wish. But if you're going to buy a used game, you just need to be cautious because you could run into, I think this is where we're leading, you could run into a fully modded version of that game for top dollar, or you could run into a very blown out playfield version, like, like what would you call that, like blown out or player's condition? Yeah. And that that price range could easily vary thousands of dollars. And so if your price range is in the thou- like zero to a thousand dollars, you could get that game. It's just going to be blown out. But if you're okay with that, you could maybe either keep it and fix things as you go, new play field, um, all the mods you want, shaker motors or art blades, or you could buy the fully loaded one if you can afford it and just be, you put it in your basement and you don't have to touch it. Yep, but just realize that mods aren't everything normally. There are very specific mods that do add value to a game. But they're very few and far in between. They're generally interactive, and um, you know it's it's very um, individually based as to whether they're worth it or not. So that's something to consider. And the overall quality, you know, if this is a game you're buying as your first game, I wouldn't care so much. Like if you get a game that has a little bit of wear or something like that, like man, that's not the end of the world. I would fully agree to that because. When you're new to the hobby, it is so easy to be taken advantage of. To Ryan's point, don't try to get something gold. If you just get something and it has some wear on the cabinet, wear on the playfield, who cares, right? You pay the price you're comfortable at, and if you have to resell it and you don't make money or you don't break even but you lose a little bit, it's not a big deal, right? You got to play it for X days or months it's almost like a lease it's this is a hobby this isn't hobbies usually cost money yeah it's very rare for you to be able to buy any pinball machine that you buy uh have it for x amount of time and sell it and make money Uh, i myself and parnell definitely have examples of where we've lost (laughs) we've been like oh yeah well i'm gonna get this game for x amount of dollars and i'm sure i can do this and that and i'll be able to sell it at some point, and I could probably make some money on it. That, that really doesn't happen as much as you would think. Uh, there, there's a lot of different variables, including the most important, which is, are people around you actually going to want to buy that game when it comes up you know, for sale for you? If you're going to look at a game that's been on Craigslist for three months, that's something to take into consideration. Either it's priced high, or there aren't a lot of people in that area that want that game. So those are things to be aware of. Um, And don't let people beat you up too much when they come out, when you first get into the hobby, over condition. Uh, You take detailed pictures. You tell them what it is. If they come out and start beating you up, you know, pretty much tell them to fuck off. Like, they can either buy the game at the price that it's at. They can approach you with a reasonable 
Like, here's my things. Here's what's wrong. Here's my counter. And if it's close enough to what you want, and you need to figure that out too before you list it, like, I have to get X amount of dollars, then, then maybe it's okay. But definitely don't let uh, veterans take advantage of you because you're new and you might not know how to haggle pinball yet. Because that's something that I learned the hard way when I started out. Yeah, and it's really hard now because as veterans, they're used to the pricing of the old days. And we've talked about this because I don't like the new pricing. I like the old pricing. This is a real-world example. I had a decent condition. It was above a player's condition, high speed. And I tried to sell it for eight fifty, And it sat for weeks, weeks. And someone finally picked it up, and I want to say they paid I had to drop it to eight. I lost money on that game, fifty bucks. Nowadays, that game's like what? What are people paying? Like fifteen hundred, two grand? Like stupid money. Easily two grand. And I would Easily never ever, ever pay two grand for a high speed. There is not enough game there for me, me personally, to pay two grand for that game. The next thing that you definitely want to keep in mind is when you go to look at the game, keep the price and what you valued it at versus what it's going for in mind. Um, hmm. If there's a lot of plastics that are broken, and you need to look, and this is something that took me a couple games to figure out what to look for. Um, you know, one of the most popular ones that I love to do, uh, besides the shooter lane, which is like one that you definitely should get, especially on newer games. Um, yeah, it's mostly new stuff. Yeah, where you, you look down where the ball ejects and yep. you see how worn or if clear is missing or if the wood's chewed up. It's really easy to look. You can leave, like the glass can be on. Someone can take a picture for you. That's an easy one. Yeah, another one I learned much later, uh, more recently. Uh, get a picture underneath the apron where the where the actual hole in the playfield is where the ball falls down into the trough after you've it's went Ooh, down you know either the secret one, one. Of them. yeah check that because if there's a lot of wear there that'll at least tell you kind of an idea check the ramps if the ramps are plastic um especially man you need to like take three minutes five minutes even though you're excited and you're about to buy a pin possibly slow down like when you're there you need to take, I'm not saying an hour, like I know a few people locally do, or 30 minutes or an hour and a half and go through a switch test, but look over the game. Really give it a once-over. And, and going slow here is not going to cost you anything but another five or ten minutes, and it could save you either some money in possibly haggling if there's maybe some damage you found that wasn't you know discussed earlier. Or you at least know with eyes wide open exactly what the game needs. Now I would say uh, your point on ramps, um, and this is what's broken on my Tron. On plastic ramps, the entrances, so like the right and left side of the ramp, if they are f most or more likely, if they are facing a flipper and the game is on route, those will be broken. So my Baywatch had broken entrances. My Tron has broken entrances, and that then leads to, does Cliffy make a metal protector that can cover it, or can you get new ramps? If you can't, then you're going to have to kind of say, well, ramps are kind of like 100 to $200. Can you take that money off? And to your whole point, if, 
if the plastics are broken on the playfield, like the slingshots or the side plastics, do they make a replacement plastic set? And if they don't, then you have to take that into consideration because you can reproduce those yourself. It's a little tedious and it's a little doesn't maybe look perfect. Is it worth it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do the fix? Can you negotiate that down? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so perfect example. Um, my Playboy definitely has some problems. Uh, no. I need... <laughs> uh, my Playboy obviously needs a rubber rubber kit, needs to be shopped out, um, needs flipper re- flippers to be rebuilt. Uh, but what I didn't see when I was there, because uh, it was dark and... I wasn't super concerned, but this is an oops for me is there's a bunch of broken plastic in the game. So uh, that's stuff that I'm going to have to, you know, I had to spend money to get a replacement set. And thank God they there's still ones available uh, from Marco. But that, it, that those are considerations to take into account. Um, but yeah, go slow. And, you know, your first game, I don't expect anyone that's buying their first game to get it home and shop it out and do a rubber, you know, swap the rubbers out and rebuild the flippers. Go slow. Like, if the game plays the way it does when you go to play it and pick it up, like, just bring it home, clean it, wipe it down, put some wax on it, you know, do do the minimum and just enjoy the game. And as things progress, you're going to just have this natural curiosity, like, presumably we're like with me, I was like, okay, well, what happens when I want to do this? Or in my case, something broke on the game. And that, after having it a few months, that's what threw me into the deep end. And I was like, well, I guess, because I have to take the whole play field apart to get to this part to fix it, uh, I might as well shop it out. And uh, we won't get too much into that, but uh, expect the unexpected. Really go over the game. Play a few games. Try to hit every shot. Make sure the switches register. And don't put in an order to Marco <laughs> or anywhere until you've gotten home, take the glass off and actually inspect it again. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've like went, looked at a game was so excited. The game was in my trailer. I immediately hop on Marco, order what I need, get home, play the game and find out I need something else. And it's like, son of a bitch. Cause that's, what? you know, you don't like $15, $15. shipping costs. <laughs> Yeah, ten or fifteen dollars shipping costs for each time you oops, even if it's ten? a two dollar part you need. I haven't seen ten bucks in a long time. Marco still does USPS priority, which I will okay, I'll take that ramp, back. My last order with PBR was nine ninety five. So okay, my yep, bad. There we go. But definitely don't order too quickly. It can bite you in the butt. And on that point, I will say and I say this to everybody, and I've scared buyers from my games off because of this. If it's not broken, it's not pinball. Pinball breaks all the time. And I guess that's an average because some of my games have never broke and some games break all the time. But just assume you're going to have to fix something. And that fix could be you having to call a tech and you have to pay for their trip time and you have to pay for their hourly time. And then don't be scared if you do that, that you're in like if it's a coil replacement, you're in for a couple hundred bucks because you didn't do it yourself. You hired somebody. But if you want to learn, there's resources out there. There's a ton of channels and videos on YouTube. There's Pinside. There's the, the, tons of Facebook groups. And then 
tons of people are are willing to offer their advice and help. I've heard of people on Pinside having FaceTime calls with other people and walking through games and getting stuff fixed. But I would say always assume that if a pinball, if you get a pinball, you're going to need a couple hundred bucks in repair money at some point easily. Yep. Well, and you know, the other thing to remember, and I'll bring up a point towards it is purchasing from a retail store or a retail location is going to be more expensive but a lot of times that comes with a warranty and you know that they've recently gone through the game and they've shopped it out and it's, you know, to the best of their ability at the time of selling it, that should be a game that lasts years in the home environment before it really needs work. Now, as Parnell said, man, it could be the second day you bought that game, you go to turn it on and all of a sudden there's no power to the whole thing, you know, and that's a possibility. Now, is that going to necessarily happen hundred percent? No. Has it happened to me or Parnell at least once in our life? Yes. <laughs> and you just have to be prepared for that. So go in with your eyes wide open. There are things that are going to break. There is a benefit to purchasing a used game or a new game. Because even if you buy a new game and it has an issue, they'll send somebody out to come repair it or work on it, which is at least money you don't have to shell out. So... It's a very complicated uh, set of decisions you kind of have to make, and you shouldn't make them lightly. Uh, you know, if you're looking at two games, one's at a shop and one isn't, and you know that it's been gone through by the shop and they're going to give you a 60-day warranty or a one-year warranty on it, man, if they're not too far apart from the private seller, you know, maybe that couple hundred bucks, 500 bucks is worth it then at that point. So that is, you know... One last thing to bring up. Just make sure that if you buy it from a retail outlet, that their warranty does cover that. Like, when you go to the retail, you probably either need to read or ask them, like, hey, if something breaks, does your warranty or whatever you do, does it cover you coming out to fix it? Do I have to bring the game back to you? And what's what's included? Because some will say, well, if you bring it to me, I'll I'll get it fixed. Or there's a trip charge if I have to come out to you, but I'll fix it. Yeah, and one of the old companies, I know for a fact, uh, I think you got a 60-day warranty against anything happening to the game. They'd send a tech out to fix it. But then you got like a one-year where you wouldn't have to pay for the tech's trip. And I think like the first, I, I don't know exactly how it worked, but like you didn't have to pay essentially for the trip out there for a, a year. So if there was something wrong, a tech would come out and you'd essentially only be paying like the actual parts and labor that it took them. So if it was something simple, I mean, you're, you could be talking, you know, 50 bucks or something. Uh, yeah. Obviously, if it's more severe, it's not. But I know we've thrown a bunch of information at you, but those are all important things to kind of consider when you're buying a game. And, and don't get too caught up with home use only. There's a gentleman in our area that I won't name by first name, but uh, there's more than one. Uh, that only want to buy a game that's home use only. And man, that's such an overused term, and it really doesn't set up good expectations for you if that's the way you're trying to buy games. Um, I think there are plenty of routed games that have more than enough life left in them for you to purchase it and have it until you get bored of that game, uh, and it'd be worth it to, to pick up. 
Yeah, and it's pinball. Even if it's home use, it could still break. The only time I would say that if you're looking for home use and if you're serious about it, I am assuming you're looking for a quality level, and that could be collector quality level, and then you are paying top dollar for any title whatsoever. Yeah, it's a slippery slope because when you're like, oh, well, uh, the quality is a lot nicer on this one versus that one. Well, I mean, that could be a big difference in price too. And man, if the shooter lane's a little chewed up uh, and, you know, there's some wear here and there, but I can get a Star Trek for $4,000 or 4200 that sounds a hell of a lot better than one that's home use only and isn't as chewed up, but they want 5200 for it. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. I'm thinking, like, if we were going to go buy a game today, I have $500 in play money right now. So I would be scouring. One or a system 80. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be scouring Facebook, Marketplace, or Craigslist, or hitting up one of my friends to see if they had anything. You recently just got that game. Although you based off a lot of your faith in what I told you about the game, I had only seen the game potentially twice. And it was with under five minutes of looking at it. I played it once. And so I knew that the game was pretty much there. It was just routed. And I made no assumptions that it was not routed condition. So Ryan should have known the condition, and he did. And it was priced correctly for the condition and for the work needed to bring it to a good level of quality. But definitely having friends pays off, uh, you know. Reach out to people when you're looking to buy a pin and be like, hey, uh, I've got X amount of dollars. If you see a pin or anything, you know, don't don't be that guy uh, like me where you hit up like one specific friend and wear them down over time until they finally get so tired of you asking they sell it to you. Because uh, that's a good way to possibly end a friendship. Uh, so do as I say, not as I do. But hit your <laughs> friends up and say like, hey, uh, you know, I'm looking to pick up another game. I've got X amount of dollars. Because your friend might have a game that they're just about getting ready secretly that they might want to get rid of. And that might be your in right there. Or if not, uh, they're going to have their ears to the ground and, uh, you know, hit you up and be like, actually, you know, I, I know we spoke the other day, but I now have a game. And in my case, Parnell just hit me up and was like, hey, I don't know if you want to buy any games, but, uh, you know, I, I think there might be one or two possibly available and that's pretty much how the conversation started. So um, having friends is good. I'm trying to think of anything else. Like for, for me personally, I have a couple different types of games I buy. A couple years ago, I used to buy games used on route, meaning I could care less what the quality of the cabinet was as long as it was solid. I didn't care about the play field much, but if the price was right, it was fine because it was going to be put on route, getting coin drop. And then I was going to sell it. Didn't matter because I would probably make my money back, at least break even with the coin drop. And I was hoping that the repairs weren't going to be huge. If it's going to come to my basement and then leave, and I know that it's not a keeper, for instance, uh, Stern Galaxy, I'm not in love with the game. I got it for a good price. I would sell it for a decent price, but it wasn't going to stay. I just bought it because it was cheap. Like there's these different ways of thinking and part of it is the money you have at the time your plan for the game and how much you really want to put into it for instance maybe you or i we don't call our labor money it's 
time. And so it's, we're just adding up part costs, but in reality, like you're having to spend time doing something. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I hate to say it, but me and you are kind of like the really snobby wine drinkers at this point, because, um, I'm not saying that I have it made and everything's perfect, but, um, you know, there is a certain quality that most of the games that come into my basement that I hope are forever pins. Um, there is a quality that I want because I'm going to be looking at those games for a long time. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is an interesting point. I mean, uh, I generally won't overpay, but I will pay more for a nicer game so that way it looks nice with the rest of my games. But when I was starting out and I wasn't the snob that I am now, as much as I hate to admit that, uh, I didn't necessarily care as much. And if I could get a game for, you know, 500 bucks less because it was player's condition, I was like, well, hell yeah, brother. Like, let's do it. Um, and, you know, it... The thing is, at the end of the day, people, unless you have someone like me or Parnell come over, no one's really going to notice. Like, if oh, you just God. have normal friends coming over, or even, like, other pinball guys, they aren't going to come over and be like, oh, I don't want to play that because it's player condition. Like, nobody gives a shit. If the game plays and it's a fun game, like, they're going to come over and you're going to have fun no matter what. Um, so, like, don't get yeah. too bogged down at the end of the day, especially when you're first getting into the hobby. Man, just buy games that, that are fun, that you enjoy playing, that are a, a good deal, because that's what's important. And and those are going to make more memories than you being a shithead and, like, uh, haggling someone or beating someone up over a price. Like, you aren't going to remember that. But you're going to absolutely remember when it, when you get your player's condition game home and your friend come over, uh, you know, after COVID, uh, your friend or friends come over and they play it and you guys are just having a blast, you aren't going to give a shit that it's player condition. You're just happy that you have a game that plays and it's fun. Like, that's what makes memories and, and what really we're all in this for. So don't become an elitist like me for as long as you can because once you do, it, it's awful, I tell you. You spend so much more money. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember selling, I've sold a handful of games to non-pinball people. Like, it's their first, probably their only game. They had no idea about anything. There could have been no no art on the playfield, and they would have no idea. Like, just oblivious. Just They're just happy to have a pinball. But if that was the case, I would have priced it. <laughs> priced it correctly. That I mean, that's true. Like, I remember, and I think we've already talked about it. I had more fun playing pinball when I had one game. And then I had two. I had Fishtails and Waterworld. That was way more fun. Now that I have too many games, there's less people over. There's too many games to choose from. And then I don't come to the basement. Like, I remember when I first got into the hobby and I was excited. And those are the times that I did have the most fun. No one likes Waterworld. But, man, I loved that game. And everybody that played it loved it. And it was a lot of fun just being able to share that. Yeah. I mean, my Corvette wasn't perfect, but... Shit, I couldn't tell you how many months after I bought it. Every lunch break, man, I wasn't eating lunch. <laughs> uh, when I was working at home. I wasn't eating lunch. I was busy playing Corvette for my entire lunch break, and I didn't care that it was my only pen. Um, God, so, I miss those days. <laughs> and, you know, when I would have friends come over, that's all we would play was that one pinball game for hours. And, I mean, now, even my friends that I have that aren't big pinball people – 
are kind of snobby about it to where like they don't necessarily want to just play one game all night anymore, right? Uh, it's like, oh, well, I want variety, and and you end up just uh, getting lost in the sauce. And and what it really comes down to is pinball is an awesome hobby that you can share with other people that are either into the hobby or aren't. And everyone can walk up and take something away from it. And those are the moments that makes pinball awesome. If you can have a pinball enthusiast or someone that just casually likes playing pinball come over and play your games and they have fun, like those are those moments. And in that, and at that moment, it doesn't matter if your game's routed or home use only or player's condition or it has a shit ton of mods or it's a bare bones stock model. Man, you guys are having fun, and that's what matters. As Chris tells me, if you're happy with the price you paid and the game you got, you're good. And if you're happy with what you sold it, you're great. I've sold games, and I thought they were too cheap, and it was. I, he just reminds me, hey, did you get what you wanted? And I said, yeah. But I could have, and he's like, oh, but you'd have to put more work in. You'd have to do this. You'd have to let it sit on the, on, you know, on the Craigslist and sit and get a tire kicked. It's like... A lot of the times it really comes down to everybody can sit there from the outside as like a lazy boy quarterback, but no one's in your position. And in the end of the day, it all comes down to how, how you feel about it. And if you're, if you're great with it and you like what happened, that's all that matters. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, we both lost hundreds of dollars on machines. <laughs> Uh, but you know, the way we look at it in that instance is, uh, you know, if I lost $200 on a machine that I had for a year, it just means I, I paid, you know, a quarter or something every time I played it or however many plays I put on it, you just divide that by how much you lost. And it's like, eh, I'm all right with that, you know, and you just kind of move on. Yeah. I think everybody loves making money when they sell something, but yeah, what are you going to do? That's why I don't sell any games the internet. <laughs> I don't sell any games anymore, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, you don't do anything to games except now maybe clean them. <sighs> hmm. I have a weird switch issue with Galaxy I have to figure out. I'm shocked. But oh god. It didn't work with the it I was gonna say it worked perfect with the Altex when I put the original boards in. The coin mechs don't coin up the game, and then the middle coin mech fires the left kicker. Uh, not not the slingshot. Well, there's no slingshots, but the galaxy kick thing. It's really Perfect. odd. That's just a that's see listeners. That's not a bug. That's a feature. Yeah, but I can't like sell if I wasn't gonna sell it. I can't leave that board in because you can't credit up the game. <laughs> so oh, this this is perfect. So I have this game and it's, it has a problem. And me and Ryan talked, and it was I could spend. What did we say, like 30 minutes or 60 minutes of my time, and I could try to diagnose the board because it's probably the MPU, or I could ship the MPU out and wait. Oh, what Board people are usually like four to six weeks out. They can diagnose the board, fix it, and return it to me. And eh, it's about 50, 60 bucks for a board repair and then shipping, so you're about 100 bucks in. And the problem is I'm, not, I'm only sending one board. Like You could obviously share shipping between all the boards, but... So like what you know? What's your time worth? Is it worth the hundred dollars for me to just ship this out? And it's like, if I'm selling the game, and I'm going to make over a hundred dollars, then I would probably you know send the board out. But if I make what I'm into it, then yeah, I'm not gonna send the board. I'm not gonna want, try to lose money. 
But at the same time, like, I don't have to sell it, right? Like, this one was going to go to my parents' house and just sit there. And if it does that, because I haven't seen my parents in a while, then what I'll do is I'll put the Altec boards back in, or the one board, and spring to their house and let it sit. And then they'll just sit at their house, and I'll play it every once a month. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, then it gets into, like, do, would you also consider a, a new board? Uh, like our friend over Charlie at the pinball basement, uh, you know, would you then spend a couple hundred dollars on a brand new board with brand new components, you know? Um, so there's definitely like a, a give and a take, like how much time can you invest into this? Can you feasibly fix it in that amount of time? Is it worth mm. taking the game down for two months, maybe more, maybe less, and sending the board out? Or are you willing to take a financial hit spend more than the other two options financially and get a brand new board shipped to you in a couple days and throw that in and the game come back up and then you either try to sell that board or repair it and then sell it or keep it with the game and sell it when you sell the game, you know. So there, there definitely are some decisions and I can tell you I've taken all three doors at random various times, uh, you know. For me, I'll troubleshoot a game up to my knowledge of troubleshooting, and then I get to a point where I'm, you know, I'm stupid. I can't fix it. I don't know what to do. So I just start getting frustrated at it. Um, so then at that point, and it's you like, sell all right, it to me really cheap. Well, do I take the board out and do I get it sent off and have someone repair it and the game be down for two months? you know, and spend $100 or $150, or do I spend $300 and just get a new board and be done with it and know that, you know, to the best of my ability after I've done the troubleshooting, I know the issues with this board. If I get a brand new one, it should fix it. And I can tell you I've done all three options and all three options have worked for me. And I can also tell you all three options have not worked for me before. <laughs> Having owned enough games, you're guaranteed nothing in life. And Pinball will remind you of that you know, the pinball gods will remind that of you constantly. Yeah, there was there was a time when I was going through games pretty quick. Um, every used game, like Black Hole, everything. I would take all the boards. Oh, and Baywatch. That's another example. Black Knight. All the game, all the game boards came out. So on Baywatch, it was like the flipper boards and all the boards on the inside, the DMD board, the Black Hole was all the boards on the inside. They all got shipped to a board repair shop because I didn't want to troubleshoot board problems. Black Hole, never even powered on. Or I knew it powered on, but it didn't work, so that's why I shipped the boards out. But then I ended up buying like an all-in-one board, and then the game worked, so I knew it was a board problem. What was the other one? Baywatch, never powered on because of the crazy power hack in it. Then like Galaxy, I got the harness was all screwed up, so I ended up doing tons of work to it before I even touched the power on it. And that was over a year of sitting. So I'm working on helping my friend get his two WPC games, his Star Trek Next Gen and Adam's Family, both with some funky issues. And he's kind of at that spot, right? Like the same thing we just suggested. Does he go buy a couple new CPU or what are they called? Power driver boards or and a CPU board that he can swap between them to kind of see what the problem is? Or should he just grab, you know, those four boards, the two out of each, and ship them out. And part of me is just like, we've been waiting because of the whole COVID thing. I haven't gone over there, really. He could have probably packed up and shipped all the boards out, and they could have 
been fixed and returned by the time that I get back out there to help him again. Or alternatively, he could have bought boards that, you know, from Charlie and swapped him back out by just taking pictures. And he also possibly could have had one or both of them working again. Yeah. And that's, I kind of was thinking that too. And part of it's like, well, you know, do you, do you want to just go snag, you know, you got a couple hundred extra bucks. We could go grab one of the boards from Charlie board repairs about eh, 50 to 80 bucks a board. So you add that then plus shipping. So a full games board repair is probably about two to three hundred dollars, just to give an idea, and that really depends. Little flipper boards are probably going to be cheaper to fix than a, a MPU or a driver board, but it all averages out. Yeah, and you know, two quick points here um, before we get to the ending that I'll make is uh, pinball people are fickle. You'll have someone that has fifty thousand dollars worth of pinballs in their basement. But they won't be able to justify the three hundred dollar uh, tool or something specific that they need to be able to work on their pinballs more effectively. Uh, this is also a direct jab at uh, Parnell, by the way. Uh, you know, to to be able to make their lives easier. In, in this case, we're talking about a desolder gun. So um, you'll also see pinball guys who will have you know twenty or thirty thousand dollars in pinballs and arcades in their basement, and they won't have uh, like carpeting down there. And, you know, it's like you'll ask them and they'll say like, oh, well, you know, I didn't feel like spending the you know $1,500 to get it carpeted. And it's like, well, but you just bought a game the other day. Well, yeah, but, you know, $1,500 of carpet, man, that's just too much. Yeah, oh. but you just bought a brand new unbox game. Yeah, but, you know, priorities, man. So pinball people are fickle. Um, try not to get lost in that, too. Like, if you need a tool that's expensive, save up for it and buy it. Um and I think that comes back to the point of, like, how often you think you're going to use it, right? Because then, like, my staple gun, I was going to – it's used – it's a furniture staple gun. It's used really for, like, stapling ground braid and light bulb sockets. How often am I actually going to use it? Probably once a year. So I went and got the cheapest one on Amazon I could find. If I was legit restoring games, like, if that was my main job – you bet that would go buy a better quality one, right? Because it's being used once a week. Well, yeah, but you work on system ones and system eighties that constantly need board work. <sighs> oh, yet you have uh, an awful solution. <laughs> <laughs> My stupid manual solder sucker. Yeah. So, and then the other thing I'll leave everyone with uh, before we end is. I want to let you know something. So I mentioned earlier, my Corvette, I did a full teardown, uh, to fix an issue. I want everyone to listen to this and recite uh -oh. it three times. Anything ever happens to the game. Uh, it's almost never the coil. And, and just again, say that a few times whenever you're troubleshooting something, it's almost never the coil. I ripped my whole Corvette apart down to almost the bare wood to get to this one coil that's hidden underneath the the v8 ramp which to take that out literally means you have to take like 80 percent of the game out to get to it i finally got to that got it replaced the coil thinking that's what was bad put the game all back together guess what everybody still didn't work you want to know why because i didn't open up the head of the game and check the board so when you first start out don't always assume that it's the coil or the fuse 
Yeah, or the fuse. I mean, check the fuses. Uh, if you can physically do an inspection of the coil without ripping the game apart, do it. But I'll almost bet you, it's generally speaking, it's going to be a transistor. It's going to be a diode. Like, and you aren't going to know these things initially, but don't just go on to Marco and be like, well, this coil isn't working. So obviously this coil needs to be replaced. Because that's what I did, and it made me look like an ass to myself and to you now all. So learn from me, and don't always just assume that whatever isn't working is the actual cause. Because that's rarely sometimes the case well that was my fix for gladiators right like i think that's my first physical coil issue if it's not the first it's the second and that's in how many games exactly and you've probably worked on tens and tens probably almost a hundred machines in your in your time in pinball (laughs) so so yeah you're right it's barely the coil itself but there is a quick test for that with your multimeter, which I'm learning, and I think I should post to YouTube my little learning experiences because that also got me on Sopranos. And like you said, it was the transistor-diode pair because there's a diode across the coil legs, and there's a transistor in the head on the driver board, and if one of those goes, the other one usually goes. So when you replace one, you usually replace both, because those are very cheap components. Why not? And sure enough, on Sopranos, I had to replace the transistor twice because the diode on the coil was bad. Yep. I mean, it all depends. But generally speaking, if you're ever looking at a game that you're going to buy, don't listen to the motherfucker if he's like, oh, it's probably just the coil needs to be swapped. (laughs) That normally isn't the case. All right? It's not just like a $20 or $15 coil. It's, It's probably board work. Or, or something much more involved than just physically going in and desoldering two wires or three wires and swapping a coil out. Um, it's possible, but it's, you know, you might as well go buy a lottery ticket like Parnell's kind of uh, suggested too. So, yeah. So, it, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it, it's a freaking wild goose chase as long as your, your expectations, as long as your expectations are set. And you have your price range, and you don't have to have a theme, but maybe down the road you have a theme. I think you can oh, – patience, 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 patience. Um, and also using your friends because when you buy a game from a friend, they're more likely to open up about any issues the game might have or any issues that they know of but maybe haven't fixed. Stuff like that, just so you know what's going to happen. Play a lot of people that sell games – used and they know the problems but they mention absolutely nothing especially the well i put it in my basement and it worked when i did that yeah and check the easy stuff if you just get a new game home and it worked fine before you moved it sometimes it is really easy things Uh, sometimes it isn't but sometimes uh you know moving a game can knock a connector loose or maybe a, a wire was knocked loose on one of the coils i mean there are easy fixes, believe it or not, in pinball. Not all the time, but there are sometimes some pretty easy, like, this wire isn't connected to anything. I wonder if it should be connected to something. Uh, maybe the thing that isn't working. <laughs> sometimes the sun shines down on you. Yeah, the pinball gods occasionally will smile on you, but normally they won't, and they'll just kick you and make, make fun of you. So 
but that's all I have, uh, Parnell. I think that's all you have as well, correct? I know you're going to love editing this, uh, you know, two-hour podcast. Holy moly. I remember seeing 11 o'clock and now it's midnight. So yeah, this will be a 16-hour edit. I can't wait to hear about it tomorrow as you're texting me all day. This stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if if Craig's stupid Discord bot self recorded it correctly, we're, we should be good. Instead of like, oh, FYI in the last podcast, our stupid Discord bot would all of a sudden record blank air. And so I had to make all these edits. It probably sounded a couple times toward the middle and the end where it like jumped from a thought randomly to something else. It was because freaking Craig's dumbass. We are looking at other... At other solutions, yeah. though. So. I don't know if anybody's done... What was that one I said earlier? OBS. Audio Hijack. Sounds like a very promising Mac app to pull the audio and then record it. Otherwise, OBS with Discord kind of seems kind of messed up. Like, Discord's great for cameras and or web pages, but not apps. I'm on Mac, and we're far apart. But Discord's the cleanest audio quality I've I've had so far. Where what did we use before? Skype and Zoom and I, I know that oh. I was the one that suggested Discord, but Yeah. Uh, maybe one day we'll be able to do live in the studio, uh, me and Parnell once the COVID thing dies down. Um, oh my know, god, with all so. my mics and my mixer. Uh, how so, lovely would that be? And I could I drink like your a DJ. beer. <gasps> <laughs> did you drink anything tonight? No. I had a sparkling water, orange juice, and vodka. Wow. Keeping it classy. <laughs> or healthy. I don't know. Like, right? That's low calorie. Sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am just going to sell Chris's Swords of Fury and fund whatever the heck I want. I think that's the plan. You just need to trade your Tron for a scared stiff. Jesus Christ. I don't know how many times I can say this to you in different... I'm going to have to learn other languages how to say that one sentence. Hmm. And maybe it'll come across I don't know. <laughs> I might have a, enough junk around my house that I could sell to yeah, fund. Yeah, like a Tron. No, no, no. I don't know. Little stuff. I mean, can't I sell... like? Don't I have one of my Sega Genesis games like Rocket Knight or something? Isn't that worth seven grand or something? No, I don't think anything you're going to find in your house short of a pinball machine is going to be able to pay for a pinball machine. Especially your $50 Max that you're selling on Facebook Marketplace. My <laughs> used Max. Yeah, that's See? not going to happen anytime soon. It's slowly adding up, Ryan. No, I might be able to purchase. No, then you just bought color DMDs, you lying sack. Like, but that's no. the point. <laughs> Tron? Do I buy Tron's color DMD or do I pay for the upgrade to Medieval? You trade Tron. That's the that's the path forward. Now I played it today. Yeah, this morning. Ugh. It needs to get leveled because I can't hit a shot because it's stupid level. But mm, you that I heard one? I heard it's music today that I never had heard in the game that I remember. Hey, well, if you come over and play TNA, you'd hear a bunch of music you've always heard because you can't get very far into it, too. So, you know. Hey, guess what? I own the soundtrack, so I can listen to it all the time. Wow, you'll never hear any of those either. <laughs> no. No, I won't. One and Reactor 2. I don't even know if I could get to Reactor 2. Oh, wow. 
maybe I'll have to teach her how to. I'll, I'll teach. We're gonna have ways. to do the the co-op mode. Is the only way we're gonna get anywhere. Well, I will get anywhere. Probably, but um, yeah, I I still very very firmly believe that you need to trade your Tron away. Okay, and screw this. Maybe your ACDC. <sighs> but then or your have... Lord of the Rings. Oh my. This is blasphemy. Like, you would be kicked down the hole in 300. No, I don't yep. think so. I should sell all my arcade one-ups first, because they're worth, I don't know, 100, 100, 150 bucks a piece. Do you have arcade one-ups? Yeah, I used to have, like, 10 of them. Which ones do you have? Well, let's see what's left. All right, hold on. Let, we got to stop. We're, we're ending the podcast now. I'm going to talk about the arcade one-ups after. <laughs> we should just keep recording, and then... Uh, We'll throw it in like after the final music. <laughs> All right. If you have comments or you have questions, maybe you want to sell a pinball machine for $500 to us. Or you trade for Parnell's Tron. <laughs> Jesus. Please offer him something. I want that game out of his basement. If you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for Tron, let me know. <laughs> you can email us at flippin' no G and mashing with a G at gmail.com with a G <laughs> <laughs> lots of G's up in here was there anything else oh nope. and if you need boards for your WPC hit up Charlie at the pinball basement just google the pinball basement he has random parts NOS parts like Williams plastics and fliptronic boards and stuff and he's also rebuilding tons of the other stuff like wpc cpu boards power driver boards and he'll be getting into other board sets like system 11 soon too and some data east as well always going so, data east yeah nice yep. maybe he'll make some uh Gallup system 80 stuff no there's big money in there make, he's not big gonna money. make garbage <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put a garbage bag in the back head of uh, this Joker poker. Yeah. Well, you know the thing is, is the guys who buy $500 machines don't want to spend $500 on boards. You know this very well. So. Oh my god. Yep. I keep seeing. Tell me how many one of your friends you've convinced to buy one of these System 80s or System Ones in hopes of fixing it can't because it's a fucking System One or System 80 and it just refuses to live. And then he? you're like. Hey, if you spent $500, you could get a new board. And they're like, that's as much as the machine you made me buy. And he's like, yeah, but I promise I'll be good after that. He, he had, come on. They were, the games were cheaper than $500. Yeah, okay, the you're even further. $420. And, yeah, and they need displays. He's too cheap and... to go buy. He's too cheap to go buy the all in one board. And he yeah. sold one game and no, made money good. on it. So it's good. Even better. But now roller disco is just a light box. <laughs> yep. See, and that's that's my point, you know. So don't be too cheap with your money, listeners. And uh on that disappointing bombshell, we'll wish you good night. Adios, amigos. Goodbye. Should we keep recording for the... No? Nah. Okay. You've got enough you have to deal with.